Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. I'm Chef Binta, originally from Sierra Leone, but I'm now based in Accra, Ghana. I've been here for over nine years. I'm the founder and executive chef at Fulani Kitchen. Fulani Kitchen is a traditional, nomadic pop-up restaurant, and our main goal is to promote Fulani cuisine, but also preserve the culture. So in a nutshell, what we've been doing is traveling across Africa, documenting all the Fulani stories from different Fulani communities, and hosting pop-ups around it, inspired by all these different communities across Africa. Welcome back to Point of Origin. On today's episode, we're talking about Fulani foodways and cuisine with Chef Fatma Binta. The Fula Fulani, or Fulbe, are one of the largest ethnic groups in the Sahel and West Africa, dispersed across the region and inhabiting many countries. They live mainly in West Africa and the northern parts of Central Africa, but also in South Sudan, Sudan, and regions near the Red Sea coast. Chef Benta is an indelible ambassador of Fulani food. Born and raised in Freetown, Sierra Leone, to first-generation Sierra Leonean Fulanis of Ghanaian descent, Benta describes herself as a modern nomadic chef. And as you'll hear in the episode, she's just doing what her people have done all along. So both my grandparents own like a cookery um, store, like a restaurant, mini restaurant actually. And then my mom also used to um, sell like a street food. We have something in Sierra Leone called fry fry. So she would sell that in our like, like our small store. Um, so my love for it grew from there. And I remembered like I would go to school, come back home and 
my job was like the glorified steward for my grandmother. I was washing pots that are so big I could probably fit into. <laughs> so mm. that was my job. So my love for it started there and um, studied international relations, left Sierra Leone, traveled, um, came back. And then I, I had uh, an aha moment that this is what I love. Why not focus? So that's how my journey um, started. And I went to culinary school in Nairobi, worked in hotels and got bored at some point because I, I had this drive when it comes to like just sharing the food, also my worries when it comes to the culture fading away, people not understanding the cuisine. And I took a leap of faith to quit my stable hotel job and promote Fulani Kitchen and Cuisine. Through her Dine on a Mat dinner series, Chef Binta gives guests traditional nomadic dining experiences, highlighting Fulani culture and cuisine. The dinners combine her nomadic Fulani roots and formal training at the Kenyan Culinary Institute. So that was it. And most of the Fulani communities, like the people there, they were really excited about it because these people have moved for years, some of them don't know how the food tastes like anymore. Yeah. Um, so me bringing all these ingredients and getting everyone on the mat and them having to like experience the food, it was very, it was like a deja vu moment for most people. Shoes are not allowed. And once guests have made their way to the mat, they are greeted with a welcoming drink like watermelon and ginger beer. The starter is based on the theme of the event and explains the context and history of the dish's ingredients. The main dish, Chef Benta describes as bold, like goat testicles or fonio salad. The evening ends with traditional tea and an opportunity to ask questions about the food and traditions of Fulani people. Yeah, so moving to Guinea, having to be in a village where there is no electricity, um, very small village and having to like fetch firewood get food from the farm and prepare it everything was done from scratch mm. so that really shaped me um as a chef and how also i tell my story because i got to experience all that um when i was around my teenage years mm. so that really influenced me as a chef Mm-hmm. And my love also for Fulani cuisine and preserving it because that is really hard to experience now. Um, most of these villages are kind of disappearing because most of the young people don't um, go back and stay in the villages anymore. And all are like our elders, grandmothers, grand, no, just grandparents in general, most of them have, had, have passed away. So it's really hard to go back and get... Um, the originality of Fulani cuisine and the storytelling in general, because we were colonized by the British. So it's mostly British, partly Nigerian also, because we have, we have like one of the largest tribe in Sierra Leone. They are originally from um, Nigeria. They are called the um, Fobes. And if you look back, they're actually from the Yoruba tribe. So there are so many similarities when it comes to the Nigerian food, like things like something they call moi moi in Nigeria. We also have it, we call it olele in Sierra Leone. 
So, and our food is very, it's more leafy and it goes with a lot of rice. We eat rice a lot in Sierra Leone. So a bit of that, but mostly my focus um, has been Fulani cuisine. Mm -hmm. I grew up eating like Sierra Leone dishes and I have so much love for it, something I enjoyed. Um, I also go back to it sometimes and just take inspiration and recreate th things. And the beauty of infusing um, Fulani cuisine and Sierra Leonean cuisine is always easy for me because, you know, Sierra Leone, Guinea, Liberia, we share borders. And we share also even our cuisine, we, we eat almost the same thing. There is not much difference. It's the same. Fulani food is mostly prepared using ingredients that are sun-dried and can be preserved for months. The diet is mainly derived from cattle and includes dairy items like yogurt, milk, butter, and meat. Groundnuts, starches like sorghum, corn, and fonio, a nutritious grain with a nutty taste and a pebble-like texture that's native to Africa, round out the diet. Like the black herdsmen or cowboys of the mid-19th century in Texas, the Fulani people are nomadic and raised cattle primarily for the purposes of business. Most thing that people confuse is that they think we eat meat a lot. I will start with that. Mm -hmm. um, we do it for business. Fulani is mostly focused on offals. Mm -hmm. Like we eat offals a lot. So most times if we slaughter, for example, a cow, We'll sell everything else and then we'll save the offers for the for like for cooking at home. And then we'll sun dry it also. Mm. So our our food, our dishes, our ingredients in general is mostly sun dried. Mm -hmm. And that is because we are always moving. So that's our way of preserving our ingredients for the next migration. Mm -hmm. And we eat corn a lot. Corn is a huge part of our diet. Um, things like fonio is a huge part of our diet. Mm -hmm. And then also rice, the local rice, um, is a huge part of our diet. Mm -hmm. Vegetables, not much because we hardly eat things that are fresh. So even when it comes to vegetables, we sun dry them. Things like okra, um, even root vegetables. We actually have a dish that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, we sun dry different, different types of vegetables, root vegetables and then cook that into one pot, which mm -hmm. other parts in Africa, they call them potter potter, but mm -hmm. we make it one and then um, add salt and just dried chilies. So hard, and we don't, it, that's the, we don't eat proteins that much. So it's mostly sun dried. That must be a very intensely flavored broth. Yes. All those sun dried, that sounds good. So when yes. you do the sun drying, how does it work? You like lay down a mat or something and then cut the vegetables in half and then let them stay out in the sun for how long? So we don't use mats because no um, we believe that the mat is only meant for prayers mm -hmm. uh, or eating in the evenings with the family. So it's almost like we respect the mat so much. That's why you're not even allowed to like step foot with like slippers. You're not mm -hmm. allowed to bring any shoes or slippers on the mats. And that's something I also practice when I'm hosting events. Mm -hmm. We have like a corner where everybody will leave their shoes. So when it comes to where we sun dry our things, we normally use um, clay, which we mix with the cow's dunk. Mm -hmm. and, and so we design the space for sun drying. 
So patterns, really nice lace sticks around, um, create that space only for sun drying things, or they will build racks using sticks. Even the homes, because you know our homes also can be dismantled, it's, it's movable. We create space inside like a pantry, which we will hang our corn, and then also just keep any other thing that's um, related to food and cooking. Where does most of the beef go that is raised or that the that the Fulani are selling? Where does most of it go? Local to the market. Local so market. they'll slaughter and sell. And most of the, during this peace thing I was doing, I realized that sometimes even the cattle they are rearing, it's not, it doesn't belong to them. They do it for like politicians. Mm. who would because they know how to do it they know how to handle cattle mm -hmm. so people would decide to do it as a business and then almost like outsource it to a fulani mm -hmm. um, local fulani to handle it for them and then they will pay the person um yeah with a certain amount of wage mm -hmm. to re rear the cattle for them wow and that's very yeah. complex because then you have people who are in power who exactly. are actually encouraging Fulani to raise cattle, but then yes. the neighbors are taking it out on the Fulani, but Ful this, yes. is how, this is what they need to make a living. Living, and they are quiet about it because they can't even come and be a mediator because... Right, of course, of course. It's very political. Wow. Yeah. So um, what do you, when you're in the midst of those um, negotiations, um, what are you saying to people on either side? It is difficult because one, most of these Fulani people, they don't even understand the local language. Mm -hmm. And because they, they don't respect borders, mm -hmm. I would say we don't, we, no, no. We, we don't respect borders. So, and they will come and settle. So whenever there's a fight, the locals will just impose these laws on them. For example, we are going to fine you if your cattle invade, we are fining you this. And they are forced to just do it. And sometimes they can be stubborn also. They are like, no, I'm not doing it. And they, they will settle there. They are not registered. So it's, it's very chaotic. I always try to go there, communicate. So I'll talk to them. What's the problem is they'll tell me in Fulani. And then I'll explain to the locals, which are like chiefs and all that. So it's, it's hard. We'll end up settling it. And then I'll come back to Accra focus on my work and then the next one week or two weeks they'll call you again for the same issue so i'm like you know what i think if you people are working together you you understand the importance of agriculture it will be easy you know when it comes to handling all this because they would also help in terms of protecting so if it's hard for them to get like a green area for the cattle mm. after and then they would want to move and one thing i've been also kind of trying to convince them is that this moving is very historic. You don't even need to move your cows, honestly, when you think about it. You can just create a ranch and keep them in and feed them. Mm -hmm. But because of lack of education also, or just understanding in general, they believe, because it has been for like how many years, they just move, 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 move. Mm -hmm. When you can actually just be in one place it's, it's it's time we work smart that's one thing i've been trying to like um convince them on it's time we work smart this moving is something that is very historic you don't have to move anymore mm. for you to you know um feed your your cattle the 
situation depicted by Chef Binta here is a tense one. Fulani herdsmen are a nomadic group believed to be the largest of their kind in the world and found across West and Central Africa. In search of abundant grass and water for cattle, herders inevitably will clash with farmers. These disagreements have turned violent and armed herdsmen claim to have been provoked from armed gangs and farming communities who are trying to steal their cattle. As a warming planet diminishes grazing lands, Fulani herdsmen have gone further and further south and so too has their conflict. And like many violent conflicts, it is based on the land. But since herders are selling mostly to local markets, the same communities who are condemning them are also the ones that are keeping them in business. Steps to expand and contain grazing areas are now being taken. And with these sometimes deadly conflicts as the backdrop, Chef Benta's work as a culinary ambassador is more of the latter and less of the former. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. In Fulani, fresh milk is termed kasom and yogurt, pendidan. A popular meal is fermented milk with corn couscous, which is referred to as lachchiri or dakare. One question I've, I've always wondered is uh, because we talk about like I know that folks, black folks, and really um, the majority of the world has uh, a hard time processing dairy. Um, do are Fulani people like? Do y'all have different stomachs or something, or do you not? Do you not uh, <laughs> eat dairy? Like, is it a different experience? Like, of course, I'm kidding, but like, what? Like, where does dairy fit into the to the diet and? Um, is it something that just uh, Fulani people um, are able to to absorb somehow? Listen, I've also wondered because when I was younger, I could handle it. But now, whenever I travel across Africa, I try it. Oh, 
It's another yeah. story. No, right? But I think it has to do with um your system in general. That's what they know. That's what they've they they've eaten since day one. Because even as a baby, they pasteurize the milk. We even pasteurize our own milk. We have like this gut where we pour the milk and boil it for some time traditionally, and then shake. They have a way they'll hold it and dance, and it's it's so ceremonious that it's not just about pasteurizing the milk. They have a particular song they will sing while they are doing it. They have a particular dance. So it's not just about the food, it's also about them portraying the culture, um, having this tradition, you know, around it. So I think it's the system in general. They, they are used to it. Adaptation. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing about, to me. Yeah. I, really, I really wish I had a Fulani stomach. <laughs> as, much, as much dairy as I eat, I just suffer. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> you get used to it. <laughs> Um, and what about, um, uh, I know that you do a lot of work with Fonio, um, chef Pierre Tom is uh, a big, big inspiration, um, a hero for me. Um, can you talk a little bit about Fonio, um, and, and how that plays into your food as well? Okay. So for me, um, my love for it goes all the way back during that civil war, cause I come from a huge family. I'm talking over 100 cousins. I am not joking. Wow. So, cause imagine my my mom com- comes from a very large family, my dad, and all of these people going into this small village during the civil war, you have over 300 people in this village and rice couldn't sustain us. So it was really hard. And the only thing that could really um, sustain us during that time was phonio. It's easy to grow. And also it doesn't take much time eight to 12 weeks you can harvest so it started there um and then i also learned a lot of recipes when i was in the village so after i started trending reading about chef pierre chem and seeing all the interesting things he was doing with fonio i decided to jump on the the wagon Mm -hmm. and promote it because it's something i ate all too growing up and then also i've experienced firsthand how it can how healthy it is how also when it comes to sustainability in general Mm -hmm. so for me it was important to you know like be a voice for it it was very important for me so it's actually a huge part of my menu i always try to share for you it's one of the starch we use it's the most we hardly use rice. Fonio is the biggest, um, is the, is the, is the, is the, it's a huge part. It's a, in a nutshell, it's a huge part of my menu. It's actually hard to process. That's why, because um, mostly, like in the villages, because I actually work with women. We grow Fonio in the north of Ghana. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, they were only doing it the traditional way. That's why I actually had to like step in, in terms of working, getting people involved in order to like help with machines and stuff it's really tedious Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day after going through all that process uh, sometimes you get so much sand in it um because also you know the grains are so tiny the same size of a sand so Mm -hmm. it's extremely tedious so um the reason why i started this movement when i was visiting for like inspiration and meeting these fulani women 
and some of them were complaining that um, we're actually tired of staying home doing the same thing. And women are not allowed also to own land in Ghana, especially in the north. So they wanted to like get involved in this, um, share it like processing phonio, just so they keep themselves busy. Mm. But the main challenge around this, around it is processing it. Mm -hmm. And these women do it on a daily basis because for them in the north, that's like a huge part of their diet. Our food is very plain and simple, so mostly it's dawa dawa we use for like um, enhancing flavor, um, flavoring, and then we use the African bats eye pepper which is sun dry. Our food is very plain and simple, mm. very plain and simple. I want to ask you about African cuisine, broadly speaking. It seems kind of like, and we've kind of been saying, I talked to a, a Nigerian chef about this, Oelek mm -hmm. um, that mm -hmm. African food is kind of having a moment and that it is kind of, again, broadly speaking, the only cuisine that um, hasn't been culturally colonized, so yeah. to speak. So I wanna know if you, kind of agree that African food is having a moment if you see mm -hmm. that as um as true um mm -hmm. like as in a global context or I think one African cuisine is untouched it's actually untouched so I always tell people that we we are more than jollof rice mm -hmm. African cuisine is way more actually I don't consider jollof rice African in case you don't know jollof is the very popular and very contentious rice from West Africa, popularized in countries like Nigeria and Gambia and Senegal. And if you'd like to learn more about it and the beef behind it, you can listen to Point of Origin episode 11, where Chef Yawande Komolafe breaks it down in detail. Okay, back to Chef Benta. I just think it, it's just traveled all over the place and everybody have the, their own version yeah so but it's a good thing because i think jollof rice brought some attention also to african cuisine um it has given us platforms also so i feel like we have so much it is rich we we have no idea it is there is so much because one thing i also have realized the more I explore, the more curious I get when it comes to African cuisine, the more adventurous I get. I get to learn a lot. And then I also tend to like see all the similarities. Um, but I feel like sometimes it is not represented well, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to an African restaurant in New York and I was expecting um, a particular dish, which I, I know how important that dishes to call that culture that part of the world and it was fused so mm. i really feel like we tweak it sometimes it's it's they tweak it too much because if you're eating french cuisine it's french if you're eating chinese it is chinese if you're eating japanese food it is japanese food so mm. i really hope that we can embrace it as it is um all its flavors its spiciness the richness um, and if you want to make it look pretty, you can make it look pretty, but the taste should be original. Mm 
So your view is that African cuisine is untouched, um, meaning that um, the versions that we're seeing maybe like in restaurants, particularly mm -hmm. here in the U.S., are such a small part yes. of this infinite... Uh, Everything that, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. This, this interesting yeah. thing that we have, it's, yeah. it is amazing. So I always... I think it's important for us to know the base before we play around with it. Mm -hmm. It's okay to fuse, it's okay to recreate, but understand the, the ingredients, understand the flavor building, mm -hmm. understand the original dish itself before you, you play around with it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, it's hard because there are days I just want to stay 100% authentic um, because if I'm trying to like preserve it. So that's why I document a lot. Whenever I go to these Fulani communities, I document the authentic recipes that I'll learn from the grandmother, um, different things, and then I'll document those. And there are days also I try to fuse it because sometimes it can only be that appealing to someone who doesn't know this cuisine. It can only be appealing if you fuse it because I, and that's why I believe also, um, most other Fulani chefs haven't, haven't really invested their time in it because um, Stephanie, it can actually be... It, it takes passion. It takes passion to really do it. to share with you also because um, uh, it has been like a learning process for me um, a year ago I started working with an NGO as an ambassador for peace between the Fulanis and the farmers because they've been fighting a lot and we've been working on that because we want to get the Fulani people involved in farming because they don't actually believe when it comes to like farming in general um, their focus more is on rearing cattle and that has caused a lot of problem when it comes to like the farmers and the, the, the headsmen because the, the cattle will go and invade the farm and destroy the farm. And we, we've been trying to like educate them. Yeah, if they believe in farming, they will help the farmers protect the farm. But because they don't believe much on it, that's why they leave the cattle to go and invade. And cattle invasion has caused a lot of problem across Africa. So, yeah, that's one thing we've been focusing on. That's why it's very sensitive when you say headsmen. Right. Be mm -hmm. Right. Especially if there are Fulani farmers, you mean? Exactly. No, right. just fa local farmers. Local farmers. So, be because they will come in, so they'll move into a town and then they will settle. I see. And they always try to, like, stay a bit outside of the town. Yeah. It's almost like they, they hardly mingle. Mm -hmm. with the locals mm -hmm. so they'll create their space um stay there and then the cattle will go and invade these farms and destroy mm -hmm. and that has caused like a lot of fights so most times i'll go in to like negotiate between these uh two mm -hmm. but it got to a point it was like you go you negotiate one week later they call you again or oh, we are fighting again you have to go mm -hmm. so we were thinking why if these people believe in farming if they are actually farming and they know the value because you cannot just sustain yourself with just offers 
and your small ingredients that you're growing behind your backyard, I think that would um, help in terms of settling all these um, issues across Africa. I always want them to know that Fulanis are more than headsmen because I feel like the focus has been only on that. When you say Fulani, it's almost someone is going to panic <laughs> in the room. So I really wanted to change that. And also at least whoever comes to my match will leave as an ambassador for the Fulanis that, okay, apart from them being headsmen and all the political thing that is going around the name Fulanis, but also their cuisine. They have something. Their cuisine is rich, you know, they, uh, their culture is interesting, stories and everything. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Views that I've done for this podcast, Chef Benta's is one that really stood out for me. The nomenclature of culinary ambassador has been a catch-all term for chefs whose ethnic, racial, or sometimes just appropriative identities are meant to represent as a proxy for a larger group. As a Black man in the United States, especially one whose professional life is in predominantly white spaces, I am, whether or not I like it, a proxy for an entire racial group. And when your identity is a threat, it raises the stakes of the ambassadorship. When you are an interpreter and ambassador, in quotation marks, in a deadly conflict as Chef Benta is, it makes me think about the people that we've given the title to in the past and its generosity, or in some cases, its burden. Culinary Ambassador Growing up in Sierra Leone's brutal civil war, Chef Benta understands very well food as a matter of survival and the tension between what parts of our past are brought into the future. As she says, for the Fulani people, given their nomadic customs, a meal is not just food on a plate. 
I'd like to thank our guest today, Chef Fatmata Binta. You can learn more about her work and Fulani Foodways at whetstonemagazine.com. And if you'd like to learn more about African foodways, you can check out episode 11, Niger, which examines Nigerian food and also systems of power with Tunde Wei, Yawande Komolafe, and Chef Michael Elikbede. also like to thank our incredible podcast producer Celine Glager. Celine, you are the best. To our editor and Whetstone partner and director of video, David Alexander in London. Appreciate you, Dave. Thanks to our Whetstone production intern, Quentin LeBeau. And last but not least, my business partner, Mel Shi, who makes all things at Whetstone possible. Thank you, Mel. We'd also like to thank our partners in production at iHeartRadio. To Gabrielle Collins, our supervising producer, and executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis. We'll be back next week with more from the world of food worldwide.